0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you uh, joining us here in person. For those watching online and in the various shelters, thank you so much for, for being with us today today. Uh, is our Calvary Cares Commitment Sunday. And you might wonder, what is that? When you came in, for those here are in person, you got a brochure and a commitment form, and uh, what you just heard was one of our projects, and we have different projects throughout this year that we introduce every year, every February, and uh, the reason we do that is because we believe that we are called to be generous people. Why? Because God gave, and he's called us to give, and uh, we give, and everything that is given through our Calvary Cares campaign, we give away, and uh, we have different projects this year that you've been hearing about throughout the month. Uh, we're partnering with uh, an organization that's starting up called Beloved Bakes, uh, which is employing... Uh, physically, intellectually uh, disabled folks to to bake and uh, to to really uh, be able to to uh, do some amazing things. So we're partnering with them, uh, also Norwin ESL program, helping well, helping helping to welcome uh, new families that come into the Norwin area who uh, aren't na- native born English speakers, helping them get acclimated and connected here. Um, also, we're partnering with the the. Uh, uh, foster care program here in West Mullen County, redoing visitation centers for the Children's Institute in Greensburg. And uh, also last week we uh, introduced our project with Western Pennsylvania Teen Challenge and we're going to be redoing the chapel at the Western Pennsylvania Teen Challenge Center in Cheswick and what you just heard there uh, in Sudan. And we are excited to be able to get behind these organizations and ministries and to say, you know what, you're not in this on your own. We are here cheering for you but also giving. And uh, we're going to have those commitments at the end of the service here this morning. Uh, two quick Thing before we jump into God's Word. Next Sunday, we are kicking off a new series. It's called Living in the Shadows. Living in the Shadows. Uh, throughout this series, throughout the month of March, we're going to be walking through the life of John the Baptist. And uh, if you're not familiar with John the Baptist, he kind of ushered in uh, Christ and was the cousin of Jesus and uh, lived an incredible life. And really, the theme of our whole series, Living in the Shadows, is this statement that John the Baptist makes. That he, speaking of Jesus, he must become greater and I must become lesser. And we're going to be talking about what does it mean for us, uh, Americans who love to be in the spotlight. What does it mean to live in the shadows? Live in the shadows of one that is greater. A one ultimately that we should follow. So we're gonna be talking about living in the shadows. On your way out today, we have uh, invitation cards. If you wanna invite someone, grab one, invite someone this month, as we talk about the foundations of our faith, what it means to follow Jesus. So you can grab one of those on your way out uh, this morning. Uh, also, uh, this week kicks off Lent, if you're not familiar with that, 40 days till Christmas. So if you're getting you know, your Easter eggs or uh, your Reese's peanut butter cup eggs, which are still the same price, I mean, the regular eggs have gone up. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup eggs are still the same price. I'm just letting you know. But uh, you have 40 days, okay? So just be aware. Uh, that's coming up. Um, But throughout this season, this is such an important uh, opportunity uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ globally that we are part of to really focus on the journey toward the cross, the journey toward Easter. And the Lenten season, I believe, is one of the most important seasons to stop and to strip back and to get down to the core. So we have a devotional that we're gonna be going through as a church, and you might be like, hey, you always do these devotionals on, on YouVersion Bible app, and I'm not a YouVersion Bible app kind of digital person. That's cool. We have printed devotionals available, limited number. Uh, on your way out, you can grab one. We also have it on the YouVersion Bible app. If you go to lent.calvaryerwin.com, um, you can jump on the same, it's the exact same devotional. Uh, it's by N.T. Wright, which is one of the foremost scholars in New Testament theology and study. Um, so it's really good. It's going through the book of Matthew. So you can grab one of these if you're able to on your way out. This is the printed version. Or you can go to lent.calvaryerwin.com and do it on the Version Bible app. Both are the same devotional. But let's take these next uh, few weeks as we lead toward Easter and jump into God's word immerse ourselves in God's word. And we're gonna walk through the gospel of Matthew together. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, and we hope, hope you can, I'm gonna give this to Mike. So we have... Extra copies out there, and uh, that's gonna be, be awesome. So we are, are excited. This month, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through this series called For God So Loved, uh, this idea that, that we see the Apostle John write about in his gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have Eternal life. One of the most famous verses in scripture that sometimes we miss. Like, what does God call us to do? He calls us to love. How does He call us to love? And we've been talking about that throughout this month. Now, uh, when I was in college, my sophomore year of college, I went on a mission trip to uh, Center City, Philadelphia. Um, and uh, Philadelphia, if you haven't been there, is a dirty place, right, Colin? Sorry, just ask for him. Um, but it's an amazing city. It's an amazing city. Uh, one of the largest cities in the nation. Now, I went to college in southwest Missouri, and the trip to Center City, Philadelphia was a little bit of a, of a challenge for me. Uh, you might think, for a boy from Pittsburgh, this wouldn't be that big of a deal, but I'd never been to Philadelphia before. Um, I still remember the moment that we pulled up uh, to the church that we were working, on, working with. Uh, it was uh, called Highway Tabernacles on this corner of 18th and Spring Garden. Uh, someone from the church had picked us up in this church van from the airport and, and we're pulling up behind the church in the back street there behind the church. And, and there was this man that I would find out later, it was a homeless man that hung around the area. He's standing there peeing on the side of the church building, like onto the building. And, and I, I grew up in La Trobe, okay? Uh, I went to Derry High School, you know, West finest, West Mullen County's finest. Um, um, you laugh, it's true. I mean, it's the best school district in the county. But... Um, I I, I mean, I had had lived in in a small town. I'd never really been in the inner city much. This was eye-opening to me. This was shocking. And and from that moment, my life would be turned upside down on this trip. I remember feeling so overwhelmed, so out of my element. I felt things I had never felt before. I experienced things on that trip that I'd never experienced before. I saw things in myself myself that I'd never seen before. It was stretching and challenging and inspiring all at the same time. Now, as a side note, this is the beauty of stepping out of your comfort zone to serve, to volunteer, especially to go on a missions trip. This is why we talk about this so often. That is such an important thing to serve, to serve once a month at, at church or, or, or to, to even more than that, uh, at least once in your lifetime, to go on a Calvary Cares trip. Why? Because it's so stretching for us. It's healthy. Now, when I went on this trip, I was in Bible college and I was majoring in youth ministry since I was going to be a youth pastor. We were staying at this church in Center City, Philadelphia. And one morning I got up before the rest of our team did. I went into our, the nursery there at the church just to spend some time in prayer. And as I was praying, I was really just crying out to God. I was like, I'm overwhelmed. This is, this is beyond what I'm capable of. I'm like, being pushed to the limit here. I don't know if I can do this. God, what are you wanting me to do? Like, what what are you speaking to me in this moment? What are you trying to challenge me in in this moment? And uh, it was at that moment that I felt God so clearly speak to me to change my major from youth ministry to urban ministries. Uh, So much changed for me in that moment. I would uh, eventually graduate with a, uh, a bachelor's degree in urban ministries, two associates degrees in pastoral ministries and youth ministry. Uh, And I spent a lot of time in in college and the years that would follow in urban centers, working with church planning, working with ministries in the inner city. This passion, calling, and direction for my life would have never happened if I hadn't learned this really unique concept about God's love that I wanna share with you today. You you see, all of my life, I learned that God loves those around me, that God loves those like me, that God loves those I like. I, I even learned in Sunday school that God wants me to love my enemies. And, and all of those groups that I learned God loves have one thing in common. They're all in close proximity to me. And, and this was the incredibly valuable lesson I learned on that trip to Philadelphia that year, that God also loves those who are far from me. God even loves those who are different than me. At, at face value, we would all agree that, that with, with this idea, but when you think about Practically, what this means. It can be a little bit overwhelming for us. (laughs) That person at your workplace, that classmate at school, that neighbor down the street, each of whom look drastically different than you. Maybe they vote differently than you. Maybe even approach life in an entirely different way than you do. God loves that person just as much and as deeply as he loves you and me. Now, we're just a couple weeks from St. Patrick's Day. Uh, And you know, St. Patrick's, St. Patrick is one of my favorite uh, figures in church history. And it's not because I've red Hair. That's not the reason. But because of how he defied what the experts said was possible. How he did uh, uh, and reached people that he was not supposed to be able to reach. In one of the the best books I've read on, on Patrick, it's called The Celtic Way of Evangelism by George Hunter III. Hunter explains that the Catholic Church, which was the primary Christian church at that time, uh, didn't believe the Irish Celts were even reachable because they saw them as barbarians and beyond the limits of redemption. Uh, This is because the church's convincing evidence of conversion at that time was that a person or a group of people wouldn't just convert spiritually, but they would convert their way of life and start living the way Europeans did at that point. And, And they knew that that was never gonna happen. That was too impossible uh, the Celts in Ireland were so far uh, from the European way of life that, that this, this, this land, this area, was declared unreachable. But Patrick had a very different view. He integrated himself in the Celtic community, living among the people, because he believed that spiritual transformation could happen without replicating a clone of the European way of life. He proved the fact that God can love those different than us and still actually remain culturally different than us. Like, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I remember there was this idea that, hey, uh, kids who were maybe, you know, gothic or, or, or dressed differently or, 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 you know, wore all black or, or wore this or that, like, for them to come to Jesus, how you know they came to Jesus is they, they looked like they walked out of, you know, Gap or American Eagle. And like, if they're dressed like that, that means they've come to Jesus, right? Um, that's not true. Like, people can come to Jesus And still remain culturally the way they are. Because Jesus changes our heart. He doesn't just change your outfit, right? Um, And this has historically been a problem, especially for Western missionaries. Who are going to unreached lands in Africa or the Far East or the Middle East. The thought was often that to reach people with the gospel in those parts of the world, they needed to be quote unquote westernized. In more recent decades, though, we're seeing a very different approach, which is to allow the gospel to transform people's lives without requiring them to shed their cultural norms, the norms that don't conflict with the gospel. I'm not talking about blending pagan religious practices with Christian beliefs or approaches, but in how they dress, how they live, or how they interact. And this isn't just for foreign missionaries, but this is true for us today. Because for those that are here today that are following Jesus, did you know that God has called you to be a missionary too? You know, I love this statement. I heard it uh, at a conference once when I was in high school. It's this idea that you are either a missionary or a mission field. You're one or the other. There's no middle ground on that. You're either a missionary or you're a mission field. We have this idea that there are passive Christians. You can follow Jesus passively. Like you just kind of meander through life, no one knows the difference, you don't know the difference, it's all good, and we'll just keep that kind of between us. That's not what you read about in scripture, though. You're either missionary or mission field, there's no passive way to follow Jesus. You see, God hasn't radically changed your life simply for your sake or for our sake. No, he's changed you for the sake of the world, And throughout this month, we've talked a lot about this. We've talked about how God loves those like us and how God loves those we like. And and we've talked about how God loves those we hate. But if we miss this next one, the expansion of the gospel in our world becomes really limited to simply our vicinity. And it's just that God loves those different than us. He loves those different than you and different than me. God loves those that live a different life economically and socially and even culturally and God doesn't just love those different than us. He actually asks us, listen to this, to love those different than us. That's the hard part. It's nice to sit back as a Christian in our you know, comfortable seat and to say, you know what, I love it that God loves those different than me. I love it, that's why I love this God. But God doesn't just love those different than us. He actually asks us to step out and to love those different than us. In Luke's record of the Great Commission, Uh, In his second writing to his friend Theophilus, uh, Luke records these words that Jesus shared shortly before he was going to ascend to heaven. It's recorded in in the book of Acts, which is the fifth book in the second part of the Bible, known as the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what what, uh, Jesus said, Luke recorded. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he's saying, hey, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, like there's this power that is not your own not, not a power you just conjure up, not just like, hey, I've got good vibes somewhere happening here. You're know, like, this is the power of God that transforms you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What's the result? You will be my witnesses. And he goes through this list of locations. Now, if you don't study uh, in New Testament and New Testament geography, this might sound like he's just rattling off uh, names and, and, and places, but he's not. There's like an intent here, and I'll get to that in a second. He goes, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you've never read the book of Acts, uh, this book uh, is an amazing, amazing, amazing book because it's a record of how the power of God and how the work of the Holy Spirit would transform the very foundations of the first century world and how it still happens to this day. And in this pivotal verse in Acts chapter 1, we see that the gospel made its first impact where the disciples were at that moment, which was the city of Jerusalem. Then it would spread throughout the region, meaning not those simply in Jerusalem directly, but those still in close proximity, which was Judea and Samaria. So if you think of concentric circles, it started in Jerusalem, then went to Judea, Samaria. And then it would finally get to the last spot, which it's still doing to this day, which is the gospel would go beyond their proximity to the ends of the earth. These were people who spoke different languages than them lived a different way of life than them. People who weren't even recognizable in how they approached things compared to the disciples' Greco-Roman Jewish way of life. This is what the Apostle Paul would write, in fact, to an eclectic church located in Galatia. It's recorded in Galatians chapter three, verse 26. He wrote this, So in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. In Christ, you are all children of God through faith. Listen to this, verse 27. For all of you, can you say all of you? All of you. Um, Now, if you aren't, you know, a Greek scholar and dive into the Greek, um, the word all there doesn't mean some. Just so you know. I'm just kind of clearing this up so you're not, like, confused. All does not mean some. If you have children, you understand this. I said clean all of your room, not some of your room, Right? Or if you're, you know, have a job, you don't like it when you get your paycheck and your pay uh, is some of your pay, not all of your pay. We don't like that, right? You wouldn't be real happy with your boss or your employer if you're like, I gave you some of your pay. No, I want all of my pay. He's saying, all of us, all of us. All right, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In verse 28, Here's, here's, Listen to this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. That right there was a pretty big, bold statement by Paul because the Jews love to classify. Hey, you're a Jew and you're a Gentile. There were certain parts of the temple that Gentiles could not go. There were certain things that Jews could not do in interacting with Gentiles. And he's saying, hey, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ. Why does God do this? Like, why does Paul write that? Why doesn't God just allow us to love and reach those who are close to us or who are like us? Like, that seems like it would be so much easier. And we even talked about this earlier in the month. We are actually most effective at reaching, serving, and loving those who are like us or those who are where we used to be because we can relate to them. But if that's the only way God reaches people, we miss something really important about how the gospel advances and how God molds us into the man or woman he ultimately created us to be. It's summed up in this, these two questions I want to ask you. I think these are really important questions. What if you have what others hope for? And what if others have what you hope for? I know we're Americans and, and we are to be independent. Like, I am the end-all, be-all. I am self-sufficient. I can do this on my own. Don't tell me what I can or cannot do. I don't need anyone else. I'll make it. And we put our heads down and we decide, I'm gonna make this on my own. But what if if you have what others hope for? And what if others have what you ultimately hope for? You see, this is a core principle of, of this thing called the kingdom of God that we're talking about something that we talk so much about. It's that there are no islands. There is not a single person on the face of the earth that doesn't need another person. Jesus was the son of God. God in the flesh. Like, he's the best of the best. The greatest example we will ever have to follow. The the physical representation of God. And Jesus had 12 disciples. He had other people, right? He wasn't even on his own. I don't care how independent you are, how self-sufficient you are, or how strong-willed you are. We all need each other. God made us this way. We aren't, inter, we aren't independent, but God made us interdependent. We each possess things that others hope for, and they possess things that we hope for. Our growth, our development, our refining happens through our healthy interaction with others. In Proverbs 27, 17, we read it this way. It says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. What's the proverb saying? It's saying that as we interact with other people, like it makes us better, it makes them better. we, We make each other stronger. The author of Hebrews, he writes it this way in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. See, we spur each other on. The problem is, though, our sinful nature often causes us to view the differences between us through eyes of jealousy or maybe envy or or worse, as enemies that we're supposed to fight against. But God's intention for these differences is to ultimately show us our need for each other, that they have something that we need and we have something that they need. See, God loves those different than us. And when we step out of our comfort zone, when we step out of what is familiar to show his love to those that are different than us, it doesn't just impact and affect the others. It changes us too. In fact, for, for St. Patrick, he ex, his experience with the Irish Celts would foundationally change his view of the gospel and even how he would live his life. He, and he in turn became part of their transformation. He would plant countless churches and have a radical impact across this region that most thought was completely unreachable. He did the impossible with God's help. This idea, however, demands a pretty unique approach to life, an approach to life that we don't see commonly across our country or across the world. It's an approach that we're gonna dive deeper into this next month as we walk through this series, Living in the Shadows. But it's, it's ultimately being willing to die to ourselves, to kill our pride and approach others with this sense of humility. I know that's easy to say, but it's incredibly difficult to do. But that's what Jesus has called us to do as Christians. And is actually what Paul would uh, later write that Jesus did himself. In in Philippians chapter two, verse five, here's what Paul wrote. He said, in your relationships with one another, in your interactions, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So the question is, what's, what's that mindset? Verse six, he said, who being in very nature God, in other words, Jesus had status and he had a title. He wasn't just a nobody. He was very, at the very nature, at the core, he was a son of God. He had status and a title, and it goes on. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In, in other words, he didn't use his status, his title, or his position for his own benefit. Verse seven, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He approached others with a goal an objective of serving them and putting himself in their shoes. He's trying to put himself in their shoes. Like, hey, I'm, I'm putting myself, I'm putting skin on. God became human in Jesus. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, This is the Son of God, all-powerful. And he takes this position, posture of a servant, humbles himself, puts himself in our shoes, and then goes to death. He was willing to sacrifice his very life, ultimately, to serve those who were very different than him. We are very different than Jesus. Yes, we are both human. He never sinned. We sin, like, without even trying. We're very different, but what Jesus did was he came and sacrificed everything, for those who are different than him. Paul is saying here, we are to imitate Jesus. We are to have the same mindset or attitude as him. We are to exercise this posture of not using our position or our privilege or our status for our advantage, but for the advantage of those who are different than us. And to what length? How far is too far? How far do we go? To the length of sacrificing what's valuable to us to bring value to them. And I'll say that again. How far is too far? Because I know this is the common question. Like, but, but, Pastor, like, how far do I sacrifice? How generous is too generous? At what point do I cross that line? Jesus gave everything. We give what is valuable to us so that we can bring value to them. That's what. That's what it means to follow Jesus. This might sound really difficult, kind of extreme, and very uncomfortable. But this is at the core of being a disciple of Jesus. In fact, throughout his ministry on earth, Jesus would make a lot of statements about this, trying to explain this whole idea. In Matthew 16, he said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's crazy, isn't it? You know, I've heard uh, pastors and different people in church circles say this idea, like, as, as followers of Jesus, we are always winners. Uh, I, if you read, uh, you know, that verse I just read in Matthew 16, I would actually say no. As followers of Jesus, we're always losers. I don't mean that in a, like, horrible way, but I mean it in what it means. We lose our lives. We lose. We give up what is comfortable for us so that others can succeed, so that others can experience God's blessing and goodness, because that's what Jesus did. In, In Luke 14, Jesus said this, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. If you don't give, that's insane. What is he asking of us? Mark chapter 10, verse 43, Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, uh, this, doesn't, this is not your, your like, five steps to, to become an Instagram influencer, okay? Like, this is backwards, upside down. It was backwards and upside down in the first century. It's backwards and upside down in the 21st century. What, what is he talking about? Anyone who wants to be great among you must be your servant. And he goes on, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Now, if you stop right there, you're like, Jesus, you are, like, out there. How can I be first if I'm gonna be a slave of all? How can I be great if I'm going to be a servant of all? You're just throwing things out there that you're not willing to practice. But then the next verse, he like puts the exclamation point on it. Verse 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And, and, and right there, I love this verse because there could be a period there. And you know what? Jesus' statement would have been made. Like he made his point. Even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he's right. Jesus didn't come with a silver spoon in his mouth. He didn't come looking, Lord, like for everyone to, to come and, and serve him. He served. He got down and he washed his disciples' feet. He, he was willing to get in the mud and heal those who were blind and lame. Like he, he, he embraced the leper. He, he did what society said he shouldn't do. He did this. But then he, he, he puts like the extra, extra, extra exclamation point. There's not a period. It says, even the son of man did not come to serve, but to be served. And then he goes on and to give his life as a ransom for many. Like, he didn't stop there. He went all the way. And when you read stuff like this, you're like, Jesus, that's not, that's not like popular. That's not comfortable. You're not gonna build crowds like this. Like This isn't gonna be the easy thing. Why would Jesus say things like this? Because his love isn't simply meant to be shown to people like us who are around us or who are even close to us. It's transformative transformative for us. Like we will be uh, turned upside down and, and it's transformative for others when we are willing to step out and show God's love to those who are different than us. Why? Because what if, what if you have what others hope for? And what if others have what you hope for, you're longing for, you're praying for, You you want to see happen in your life. You know, for some of you, you've been been living this life of following Jesus for decades. And you uh, had a moment where your life was radically transformed. You committed your life to Jesus and, and your life today is different than it was before. But you found yourself in this rut. And you're like, I've been living for Jesus for a long time. Maybe since you were a little child or maybe for decades. And I feel like my life has kind of coasted. I feel like I'm on autopilot with my walk with Jesus. You know what I would encourage you to do? Try to love those who are different than you. Why? Because when you love those who are like you, you go on autopilot. It's easy, it comes naturally, right? Like you don't even have to think about it, it just flows. But when you have to love those who are different than you, it gets uncomfortable. And you start stepping back and questioning things and evaluating things and being overwhelmed. I was there, sitting in a nursery, Highway Tabernacle, Center City, Philadelphia. I was overwhelmed. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't comfortable. I, I felt like I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Maybe for you, you've been coasting. And maybe God has you here today watching online to, to remind you, he never meant for you to coast. Maybe you need to step out. See, what is it you have today that, that God is asking you to sacrifice, to show his love to the world. What is he asking you to do to show God's love to those different than you? As as the worship team comes today, you know, maybe for you, maybe for you it's sacrificing your pride for the sake of a friendship. You know, maybe it's befriending that Muslim coworker, that gay man who works next to you. Maybe it's befriending that neighbor that covers their yard in political signs that, that drive you crazy. They run so contrary to your views. Maybe, maybe for you, maybe it's sacrificing your dreams for something God has called you to do. Because you didn't, you didn't realize it, but you might not realize it right now, but your dreams are actually limiting what God can do through you. Now, I wanna say that again, because as I was preparing this week, as I was praying, God just put this on my heart so clearly that for some of you, God's asking you to sacrifice your dreams for something that God's calling you to. And you're not realizing it, but what he's calling you to is greater than what you're experiencing. You think, God, I don't wanna limit my dreams, but you're limiting your dreams right now. And if you're willing to be obedient and say yes to what God's putting on your heart, he's gonna do far more through you, as the Bible says, more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Maybe for you, it's sacrificing your fears for the sake of someone in a different part of the world by stepping out of your comfort zone and going on a Calvary Cares trip. (laughs) You You might think, Nick, I don't do that. I don't have time for that, but I will gladly support someone else that goes on a trip. But here's the deal. Maybe for you, maybe for you, giving towards someone else's trip isn't really a sacrifice. But what if God could transform you and stretch you the most if you actually went? you actually said yes and said, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Sudan. I'm going to go to Romania. I'm going to go to Alaska. Uh, what, what if you, are you actually willing to go? Or maybe, maybe for you, the sacrifice God is asking you to take to show his love to those different than you. Maybe the sacrifice he's asking you to take is to give toward one of our Calvary Cares projects this year. You know, this is something that every single one of us can do. Maybe for you it's $5 a month, maybe it's $200 a month, maybe it's $500 a month. This is the beauty of being part of a church family. We get to work together to pull our resources to show God's love to those outside our walls. And can I challenge uh, those of you who, who you support the Calvary Cares Projects every year and I'm so thankful for that. Whatever you've committed before, push yourself a little bit, make yourself uncomfortable. Give a little bit more. This isn't for my benefit, trust me. This isn't for our church's benefit or really for anyone in this room. This is for those who are different than us, those outside our church family. This is what we're called to do to give of ourselves and not to give in a way that's easy, but in a way that's hard. And, and if you've never supported our, our Calvary Cares campaign, or, or maybe you've had some really bad experiences and, and you're really suspicious giving anything to a church, I wanna encourage you to try it. Here's why, I promise you, you'll see the impact of your sacrifice, and the impact your sacrifice can make in the lives of those intellectually and developmentally uh, with disabilities through beloved bakes, and, and those who have moved into Norwin from another country through our project with the Norwin ESL program, or, or children in the foster care program across West Mullen County, County, those men striving to overcome addiction in Western PA Teen Challenge, or, the incredible people in the Menara region of Sudan working to show God's love to their neighbors through this new church we are helping with. This isn't about giving money to puff up our church or, or any organization. It's about us working together, sacrificing together for people we may never meet, people that God loves so very deeply. This is what we're called to be and to do as a church. This is what we're called to be and to do as followers of Jesus. We're called to give and to sacrifice. That's what Jesus said. And this is what we're gonna talk about next month, like less of me, God, but more of you. And, and if you're here today or you're watching online and, and you're like, man, Nick, I, I, I don't have much to give, I'm not asking you to, to, to empty your bank account or anything like that. I'm asking you to make a commitment this year that is beyond what you're capable of, but requires faith, requires God's intervention. For for Heidi and I, as we make our Calvary cares commitments every year, we always try to increase it from whatever we were the year before. Does our pay increase? Absolutely not. What we do is we just try to sacrifice a little bit more. We're stretching that muscle, and I've always watched God provide. And I've always watched God do far more when I give Him my dollars than I could do on my own. And and you have a commitment form. and In a minute, we're going to pray over this and. This isn't some like formal pitch or sales pitch or anything like that. This isn't about our church. Our church doesn't get any of this. We literally give everything away. Our Calvary Cares campaign is all about pushing the resources to the edge to get behind these organizations and ministries. We get to do this together. You know, our, our, we have $75,000 in projects this year. You know what my prayer has been? Like my, this is insane prayer. God, what would happen if we could give $100,000 this year? You don't be like, well, that's insane. That's crazy. Well, hey, I wanna pray and ask God for the impossible things. I don't wanna ask God for like the things that seem possible and, and, and achievable. How could God use you, all of us together, to get behind beloved bakes, to get behind these students who have moved into Norwin who don't speak English, to, to, to love on and create environments where parents can love on their kids who are in a foster care program. How, how can we get behind these men that have had absolutely no one cheering for them or supporting them in Teen Challenge. And they found themselves in a program to get themselves clean and they're finding Jesus. How can we be the champions for them? How how can we get behind a church in the Minara region of Sudan that God is doing good things, but they don't have the resources to, to build a building, to buy land. And we get to, from Irwin, Pennsylvania, from West Mullen County, like we get to say, you know what, we're behind you. And not only are we behind you financially, we're bringing a team and we're coming. Like the yinzers are gonna show up and we're gonna show you how to do it, right? Like, How awesome is that? We get to do that together. And in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to pray. And I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit what he's putting on your heart to commit to our, our projects. Whatever that is, I'm gonna ask you to fill this out. We're gonna have a moment to do that. And you're gonna tear it off. You'll keep the white... Uh, or the yellow form for yourself and you turn in the white one on your way out this morning. And if you're like, I hate writing. I don't like to write. I'm like writing a verse. If you just go to our website, calvaryirwin.com, if you're watching online, you can do this. Go to calvaryirwin.com. There's a button right on the homepage. Calvary Cares Commitment Form. You can do it digitally. Maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I need to talk to my spouse or I need to figure this out. Uh, later today, that's fine. But I want you to make a commitment. This isn't, like I said, about me. This is about the kingdom of God. Because God has called us to love those who are different than us. God has called us to love those who are uncomfortable to us. God has called us to love those that make us squirm a little bit. Why? That's what Jesus did. He he got uh, Simon the Zealot and Matthew and he put them together as disciples. Matthew was a sellout, worked for the Romans. Simon was trying to start a revolution that overthrew the Romans and now they're working together as disciples. This is what Jesus does at his best. Imagine what God can do through us when we are willing to give of our resources our time our abilities to love those who are different than us why because God so loved the world that he gave I want to pray over these commitment forms and we're going to have an opportunity to fill them out and then we'll come back together and we're going to uh, sing before we go this morning so if you can hold that commitment form if you have it here uh, if you're watching online you can just join us and I want to pray that God God would multiply far beyond what we could ask think or imagine for his kingdom. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you so much that we don't just approach this day or this moment lightly. God, we don't walk into this just saying, hey God, whatever, flippantly. But God, we know that you are faithful. God, we know that you gave and we wanna give in turn. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart that is here watching online. Holy Spirit, prompt us, lead us to give what you call us to give. Let us be obedient and faithful to it, Well that we can make a difference all over the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.